This week on the Magnificently Huge podcast, Logical Fallacies, or Nuking the Fridge. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crap all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. In 2008, a film came out called Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which made millennials wonder why their parents like this Indiana Jones guy so much, because this film really sucked. And in it, Indiana Jones escapes a nuclear explosion on a New Mexico atomic test site, uh, maybe it was Nevada, I don't know, I don't care by getting into a lead-lined refrigerator and riding the blast out of the blast area, the explosion. He gets in a refrigerator. And the expression nuking the fridge was born from that. Um, today we're talking about those moments in movies that just pull you out of the moment and make you go, oh my God, I want my money back. Um, there's only so much suspension of disbelief you can give a movie before it just breaks you and you know you have moments like that too and this is where i really do ask you to contact us at mag huge uh, on twitter uh, magnificently huge at gmail.com there are a whole bunch of contact points at the end of the episode but please get in touch with us because i'm i'm so hungry to hear this kind of stuff these 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 breaks in reality that just hurt a movie Anyway, let's jump into what we did discover in this week's episode. Welcome back to the Magnificently Huge Podcast. Three guys who wouldn't talk to each other if we didn't turn it into a show. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty Wait. much what we are. Wait, what's up? Who said that? Who are you? I'm Eric. Hi, Eric. Oh, I've been talking to Eric this whole time. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, sorry. This is, this is us doing intros. Yeah, right. very, very yeah. badly. We've been on the show for, what, almost four years, and we still can't do a good intro. You're yeah. right. <laughs> but this is Chris, I'm Eric. Way. I'm Chris. <laughs> and I'm Brian. Hello. And together, we're we Vol- still don't know what we're doing. We're Voltron. Stop yeah. listening. Defenders yeah. of the universe. Good Lord. How do we turn away so many people so fast? It's amazing. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, but also a little behind the scenes. We've had like two weeks off because there was a little holiday in the middle of there and we all just said, fuck it. So yep. every time we do that, it's it's slow to grind the gears back into the fighting machine that we normally are. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's the excuse this week. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm going with. <laughs> sure. Why not? But welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, I think we all know the topic, but we'll see. I have ah. things. Well, you have things like news, or you have things like, dare I say? Oh, I, I have things for the topic, but also I have things for that segment we do at the beginning of the show called The Fresh Shit. This shit is fresh. Oh, shit, that is fresh. This stuff is real. 
Pardon me, if I if I sound like I'm chomping, it's because I'm having a snack while I record. Having no, a oh, that's vegetable scintillating thin podcast contest. Yeah. Tent, listening to somebody chew on food, so you're welcome, world. Yeah. Sorry, that's rude. Continue. <laughs> Whose show? This is Eric's show. I think Eric gets to I, choose who rolls the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I just want to say, I, I, do, I do think it's highly unprofessional that you would eat during the <laughs> show. <laughs> what, what model of uh, disgusting vape machine Jesus are you using there, Eric? <laughs> well, th- what? Uh, it's a smoke, S-M-O-K, which is not how you spell smoke. That's smock. It's smock. Or, yeah, that's yeah. okay. I was just—they're not a sponsor, so you know, screw them. Yeah. Um, also, uh, don't don't smoke, kids. Yeah, vape, vape instead. Vaping is fine. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. anyway, uh, Jesus. yeah. Uh, Brian, you 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 said you had some stuff for the fresh show. Oh yeah, we jumped, I, and some other stuff to talk about that's not the fresh. Oh, the topic. Well, just the topic. Yeah. I forgot anyway, how the show works. Yeah, the reason we're right. here. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna dispense very rapidly with the one movie I watched. Um, I seriously considered not bringing this for the fresh shit because it's so bad. <laughs> but it is one of the few things that's been released recently. Recently, I paid money to stream Nicolas Cage in Jujitsu. Oh, oh, good for God. you. The comet you see in the sky right now passes over the Earth every six years and causes a portal. But when it's open, we get a visitor from a distant galaxy. Holy shit, is this bad. But this is the thing. Wow. When you do a Nick Cage movie, you never know what you're going to get until yeah. you're actually watching it. It's like Schrodinger's <laughs> cat. It's either the worst movie on the planet or it's really good. Yeah. <laughs> but you won't oh, know until you watch it. Man. <laughs> Oh no! Because that's kind of how he picks roles. He he doesn't, you know, he just does everything, and yeah, you know, some yeah. of them. Uh, there's some gems in there. Just kind of so. The, is the this subtitle for this podcast, isn't it? Yeah. Well, is this like a uh, like an actual martial arts thing? Is it like blood sport? Um, it's not like blood sport. So this is more of a video game plot. There's like something that comes out every however many years that is gonna screw up humanity and then a chosen one has to defeat it but it brought us the power of jujitsu which is the martial <laughs> art except that according to the reviews the martial arts in this movie are not jujitsu they're just martial arts of different sorts okay. um and all of the special effects were rendered by like maybe a ps3 like <laughs> the effects are all <laughs> utterly unfinished. Oh my like, god, I need to see really this. Really bad. That's because they blew all their budget on getting Nick Cage. Oh right? my god. Where? Where? And, where? And so, where like, did you? Where did you view this? Where is this? I must I see mean, this. You can. You can, anything that lets you rent a movie for streaming. <laughs> it's like Amazon will have it. Like it sucks, Eric. It sucks so bad. <laughs> like it looks like it was shot on an iPhone. It it's just oh, terrible. Yes. Um, the bullets look like blasters. Like you know they're trying to do tracers and they just have like these superimposed. It's like kids made it in high school. Um, oh my god! Wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You just give me a great idea for a movie. All right, it's like three. Yeah, I was just thinking of three like kids who are screwing around with their camcorder, and they're like, "We should make a movie, yeah!" And it'll have spies, yeah! And it'll have jujitsu, yeah! Hey, I think we can get Nick Cage, and then they do. 
Yeah. Nick Nick Cage has to deliver lines. I wrote one of his lines down. He wanted you here. The poet warrior in the sci-fi sense. The spaceman. He gave us jujitsu. No. That is a line in this movie. <laughs> no. Poet warrior in the sci-fi sense. The spaceman. He comes here looking for a fight with you. The chosen jujitsu. If he doesn't get it, he stays and he kills everything. That is alien politics 5 through 15. It's so bad. It's it's supposed to be set in Burma, and in one shot they've got like one of the windmills, you know, just just east of California. So it's set in Burma County, California, I guess, or something. Um <laughs> God. It's shit. It's utter shit. It made me want the Wakaliwood movie hype man to be just like spicing it up, going movie, movie, movie. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> movie, 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 movie. You know, I'm I'm looking up his filmography on Wikipedia right now just for shits and giggles, and uh, he's like, none of his movies I recognize until you go back to like. 2012 or something but he's literally doing like five movies a year every yeah, he, year he likes to work <laughs> it's <laughs> insane it's so bad okay it's okay anyway jujitsu sucks ass go ahead and watch it if you want to burn some money eric go, i whatever i, I double dare dog you. dare I'll, you i'll wait yeah. for netflix but still <laughs> yeah, that sounds yeah good funny. luck Oh, it'll it'll be on streaming forever. Like it's one of those movies that's just just bad enough that it's never going away. Yeah, it continues to be um, a bad year for Brian. Didn't you watch uh, <laughs> National Treasure earlier this yeah. year? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. You'd think I'd learn. Anyway. <laughs> nope. Um. So I've been spending most of my time playing all these new video game consoles. So two Did games I want to talk about. Did I got a PS5 it? and a Series X. How did um, you get those? There's like scarcer than scarce. Oh my god. So on the day where the pre-orders were, I spent literally hours refreshing the Best Buy.com site. <laughs> I was debugging the Best Buy.com site with their debug tools, their developer tools in Chrome. Like, yeah, it was That's it, hardcore. It it dude. That's like <laughs> virtual that's like the virtual camp out for concert tickets or something. I mean I could I could tell you this whole ordeal, but honestly, it's it's dull. Okay, but, but you got but one, yeah. and that's the thing. I got okay. I got a PS5 and an Xbox Series X, and um, so on the Series X, first of all, I gotta say here's what the here's what the new Xboxes do for you out the gate because interface wise and backwards compatibility wise, it's like just another Xbox. But boy, am I enjoying the shorter load times. Things load five to eight times faster on the new machines than they did. And I know this because I've actually been doing some comparisons. Um, so, Eric, that <laughs> might course. be the thing that gets you to upgrade your Xboxes if your GTA load times are driving you up the wall. That's but awesome. not really. I have um, images of you like in your man cave like with a stopwatch. And you <laughs> oh, no, like, there's, whole, there's whole videos that do this. But, okay. but um, the game I've been playing this week on the Series X that just came out is called, this is a terrible title, Immortals Phoenix Rising. Yeah, Immortals that's pretty terrible. Phoenix Rising is a shitty title for a game that used to be called Gods and Monsters, which is a better title. Uh, that, this that Immortals is... one—that's—that sounds like a 1980s cartoon show, like an adventure. Well, show. I mean, it's—it's it's, you know, a Marvel's The Immortals, and it's Marvel's X-Men: Phoenix Rising. <laughs> oh no, Phoenix <laughs> is spelled F-E-N-I-X. Oh, of oh shut is... up. Okay. 
So yeah, what this game dumb. really is is a Breath of the Wild clone for people who don't have a Nintendo Switch. Um, it is an open world game with a cart like a cell shaded CG rendered art style um, that is all the stories are, are based on Greek mythology and it's it's kind of tongue-in-cheek like the whole game is being narrated by Prometheus who is talking to Zeus because he's made a bet with Zeus that a mortal can be useful and they're like the Statler and Waldorf of this game in that <laughs> Prometheus is, is like telling the story and throwing shade at Zeus and Zeus is like giving him shit the whole time um it is, it's available for like every system. It's actually really good. It's not Breath of the Wild good, but I'm finding it to be really compelling. Um, it's hard to put it down. Like as you're going through it, the game is really densely packed with interesting things to do. And so you're trying to maybe follow a quest line and, and go from point A to point B. And then there's like a whole bunch of stuff that just is like, you know, if, if you have ADD, you're never going to finish this game because you're just going to get distracted by everything and wander off the path and, and do other stuff. But it's fun. It, you know, it you can pick it up and play it, and it it's, you know, it's Breath of the Wild crossed with Assassin's Creed, but it's nowhere near as long as these later Assassin's Creed games, so it's not as, like, intimidating or just, you know, hopeless. You know, you don't look at it and go, I'm never going to finish this thing. It's like I have a prayer. It's fun. So, I'm playing so it. So the poet god brought us Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs> the spaceman. Jiu-Jitsu. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if you've got pretty much any video game system and you're looking for something jolly to, to kill some hours, you could do a lot worse than Immortals Phoenix Rising. The other game I'm playing on the PS5 is sort of the marquee next generation game that's out this year. Let's talk about Demon Souls. Oh, if I had a nickel for every time I heard that. <laughs> well, I imagine there's actually I figured, quite a bit I'm of people just talking talked about to Souls. death about Demon Souls. I mean, that's yeah. that's all we do around here. Yeah, it's literally breakfast, lunch, and dinner in this house. Oh, uh, Christ, Souls. we got another Demon Soul in the attic. Give me the broom. <laughs> so this is what happens on the podcast when I bring video games, is Eric and Chris are disinterested. <laughs> oh, not that we're disinterested. It's just, I mean, Nothing you might as well about. be talking I like to play Greek. along. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Demon's Souls is a remake of a PlayStation 3 game taking advantage of the PS5, and so it is really pretty. It looks good. Um, the load times are short. This is a, a From Software Games... A, they, they have made, this was sort of the first Souls game um, being remade. The, the way these games are, how would I describe it? I would, I would describe it as, think of like a, okay, so think of it as an old school video game along the lines of like Shinobi or Rolling Thunder, except, you know, this is set in a, in a medieval world and it's swords and sorcery and dragons and monsters and shit, but. But the reason I, I invoke those other side-scrolling games is the level is always the same. The enemies are always in the same place. They're very predictable. It's just really hard. Like, this game wants you dead. Huh. And the whole, the whole gag is basically in any given level just you kind of need to perfect your strategy or you're going to die. And so it's, it's, a, it's a punishing game. You're just kind of 
throwing yourself into the meat grinder over and over until you learn it, and then when you finally clear the level, you're like, ah, fuck you, level. Um, so it's like that. that. That's literally oh. every video game I ever played as a kid. <laughs> you just explained yeah. it to a team. Like Pitfall Harry. Yeah. Uh, like that literally was my Atari experience with Pitfall. Because <laughs> I just couldn't get past like the fifth or sixth level and I finally gave up. So, yeah. Yeah. So Demon's Souls is a modern version of that. And it... It's someone sent me a meme that was like, you know, two car, two frames of a person like sort of thinking, you know, wistfully fancy just do I'm I really want to do this, you know, thinking about Demon Souls and then the same kid looking depressed and frustrated like actually playing Demon Souls. For some reason <laughs> this game gets under your skin, it gets in your head and and you're like, "Ooh, I want to get back there. I, I I know I can beat it. I know it's just it's all me. I can do it. I can do it." You know, and it's that that drives you back to this damn thing and then it just, you know, laughs at you and stomps you like the creature in the in the cartoon from from Better Off Dead just never 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 you know <laughs> so Demon Souls legit PS5 is legit I'm playing so, video games so between the Xbox and the PS5 like, yep. which one do you recommend above the other I said this on the last show the PS5. Okay. I just um, want to make sure you hadn't changed your mind. But I, I haven't. Give an in fact, okay. in fact, I've discovered what should be considered the killer app for for the PlayStation Five, and I don't know why everybody isn't doing this. So, so the thing that PS5 enables really just it just works out of the box. If you've got friends on PS5, uh, you form up a a, a group. And you can watch what they're playing in a little picture-in-picture window while you play something completely different and you're just talking. So as a mechanism for just hanging Uh. out while people play video games, (laughs) it's really well designed for that. You can broadcast your screen and they can broadcast their screen and just like, yeah, yeah, what are you playing? Oh, watch out for that. Yeah, I did that the other day, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Eric is so nonplussed. I think, it's funny. I I think I think yeah. That's that's the wall for me. That's oh, I get the. Like I don't even words. like hanging out with people in real time in person. <laughs> Why do I want to do it virtually? You don't have to do it. <laughs> no, I'm just like wow. That that's not that's that's not a killer app to me. That's I don't know. <laughs> it's sure. an app that would kill you. Yeah. In COVID times, it you know it it recreates the same vibe of like when you'd go over to a friend's house to play video games. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it, it is kind of giving me those feelies. So I would say that that's the kids are going to love it. Okay. <laughs> you heard it here. Second kids. Yeah. You're not ready for that, but your kids are going to love it. So <laughs> Marty, God. the hoverboard. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. so PlayStation five. Yeah, PlayStation Five. I mean, for you specifically, Eric. Uh, I, I do you have a 4K TV, Eric? No. Then I would recommend the Xbox Series S, like as in Sam, for you because you don't need to go high res. It's way cheaper. It would give you the load time upgrades and play the new but, games. But what about like? I mean, I've got games on discs, so that thing doesn't yeah. have a drive. Oh right? yeah, no, get an X then, Series yeah. X. X. And I'm gonna wait until there's something worth playing on it. I mean, yeah. Sure. Frankly, yeah. 
Like but, yeah, I need I need to game. hear that the next Grand Theft Auto is actually good. <laughs> as far as I know, what we're getting is a Grand Theft Auto Five, um, you know, modernized update or whatever. Oh, who first. Needs that? Like they're yeah. gonna make it run better, <laughs> look better. So basically, you've just been playing video games for two weeks straight. Well, I, yeah, I spent watching- a shit ton of money on a PS5 and an Xbox Series X. What do you think I'm going to do? Can't blame me yeah, for that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My bad. Mia culpa. Never mind. What do you guys got? Uh, I Go got, for it, Chris. Uh, really little. Uh, I do want to bring up one. I saw this documentary on Amazon Prime. Uh, called 808, and it's all about the, the Roland TR-808 drum machine. Nice. They came, came out in like 1980. They made like 12,000 of them before they halted production. But it's literally the the history of how it came to be and then how it l- became used in everything from hip hop to pop music to whatever. I mean, it just, it's all encompassing. And I'm when I was watching it, it actually made me uh, think to remind you to watch it, Brian, because if you haven't, it's, it's quite stellar. Is, is this the one where they talk to DJ Jazzy Jeff about um, how he can't listen to his first album because they screwed up the mastering of the 808? Uh, I don't remember him in that. Like that was on a podcast. I, I, I yeah. actually, yeah, that was that was on a um, the twenty thousand hertz podcast. They they okay. talked to the because the whole thing about the eight hundred eight right was you could you could do if 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 you EQ'd it a certain way or if you kind of distorted it on the tape a certain way, you could kind of get the sound that everybody was going for in early hip hop. Yeah, and then like. Um, when they did He's the DJ, I'm the Rapper, Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, um, whoever they brought in, the studio guy they brought in to master the album, like took all of that out and ruined the sound. And to this day, <laughs> DJ Jazzy Jeff is like, I can't listen to my biggest hit. <laughs> wonga, wonga, wonga. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, okay, so what do they talk about in the 808 documentary? Because uh, I'm, I'm definitely just, interested. Uh, it's Well, it starts with, it, it was done by the company Roland that does the keyboards and things. Yeah. Which is based in Japan, uh, and they just started it as sort of just a, a synchronized drum thing for, like, organs and keyboards and things, and then it sort of accidentally fell into the hands of some people that were doing, like, these early hip-hop records and things because it was easy yeah. to program. It's cheap. And, yeah, and, <laughs> and it was really easy, and then it just sort of blew up from there. To the point where it just started infecting all genres of music, not just hip hop. And like they even roll it into uh, when Marvin Gaye did the Sexual Healing, which was his biggest hit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, he used an 808 for that. Uh, and then later, some Dutch band, because he had recorded it in uh, Belgium, and some Dutch group acquired a used 808 and then when they turned it on they found that it still had the old <laughs> sexual healing drum track and they're nice. like holy <laughs> shit so like the ghost lives on uh but then they talked to like phil collins who used it in like later yeah. stuff in the 80s and then he had some really fun stuff to say he's like yeah the because phil collins basically a drummer uh first and so he's talking about how the 808 is perfect because sometimes you just need that steady beat. The he's like, but if you're a live drummer, 
you get bored, so you start like mixing it up. And he's like, no, 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 just do this beat, this beat only, and keep doing this beat. Uh, but a live drummer will kind of vary it up. So if you do the drum you machine, bored. yeah, yeah, you do the drum machine, you get that constant. Uh, but his joke was uh, the difference between an 808 and a drummer. If you if you pour a beer on a drum machine, it'll it'll quit, but a drum will just keep going all day. <laughs> um, and then and then later they were talking to the two surviving Beastie Boys, uh, and they were giving a story about Paul Revere, which does like a backwards right it's beat, an eight oh eight that that was recorded and played backwards. Yeah, and and Adam Yauch apparently was the one that came up with that, and then the and MCA and Ad Rock were like trying to f- remember the actual apocryphal story of how that happened, and neither of them could really come up with the consensus because <laughs> uh, it happened like thirty five years ago. But the the gist is that Adam Yauch just had thought about some of the Hendrix records he'd listened to and how they did some of the backwards tracks on that for the beats, and he's like, well, let's just do that, and. Nobody had apparently tried that before with the 808, and it just exploded from there. Uh, and then from then on, they're like, yeah, so after that, boom, everybody had the 808 in the studio, and that's what they use. So it's, if you like music history, it's a fascinating look at something you really don't notice until you actually notice it. You know what it's, I mean? It's one of the, it's one of the few sound patches, like... That has stood the test of time. Nothing on the 808 sounds like a real drum. Yeah. Right? Like, it's all sort of really shitty Casio sounds kind of like drums. You know, this is this is kind of a thump, and this is kind of a pop, and this is kind yeah. of a sizzle. And, and it's so distinctive that it is an instrument the way um, a harpsichord is an instrument, right? It's sounds like an 808 it sounds like a harpsichord yeah. and there's not a whole lot of digital instruments like that but the 808 is still with us well what's funny about that is that apparently the reason that it has such a distinct sound is because when they were manufacturing them they got uh a good screaming deal on a bunch of faulty transistors <laughs> uh, and that's what created the weird weirdness in the sounds that you get out of the 808 because it's just a slight default because they would overheat and then phase it somehow and so once the company that had all these bad transistors fixed the problem they couldn't get them anymore and that's why they stopped (laughs) making the 808 (laughs) that that explains i had a 606 which was like a cheaper shittier didn't have all the sounds 808 but uh, it didn't quite sound right, and that yeah, maybe that's kind of why. like the electronics version of sourdough bread. Basically, yeah. <laughs> if you <laughs> don't have the right starter, bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, I love this. So it's it's fun, but they talked to a lot of different musicians from eighties, uh, nineties, and two thousands. Uh, so it's just kind of one of those weird eye opener deals. It's like if you listen to music, you know the eight hundred eight when you hear it, but you just don't ever think about where you hear it. It's just strange. So it's very pervasive, but it's a fun documentary. Uh, well worth your time. And uh, that's really all I will recommend for the week. I can't really top it. Oh. Well, for my uh, 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 bit, I just want to say I, I like it when I find something I really enjoyed that I get to share. 
And I tried so hard this last two weeks to have something to bring. Man, I struck out. I struck out hard. Nice. I'm and glad. you didn't even watch jujitsu. No, no. Uh, so, and, yeah, so we are have... you going to pull through or are you going to take a mulligan? What am, what um, I'm going to tell you the, the crap I suffered uh, <laughs> trying to bring you the story. And one of them actually ends up being part of today's topic. So nice. I'll get to that. Bring but, it. Uh, okay, so do you, <laughs> do you remember the I hear M. a segue on coming. You hear the M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong Night film split? Ooh. Oh, the... Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't watch that. I watched Glass, the sort of, uh, um, you know, Marvel's Avengers version uh, of, of his <laughs> wow. non-comic book characters. <laughs> that, so the, bad! That's, what, that's the, the sequel to both Unbreakable and Split, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and, yeah, like, Split ends with the appearance of, you know, the Unbreakable guy, of, of Bruce Willis. Uh, and you go, oh, it's a shared universe. And like months later, I guess, Glass comes out, which is all three of these characters in a superhero mental hospital. It's just, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like watching this going, go somewhere, just go somewhere. And it goes nowhere. And it, you know, turns out there's a secret society trying to prevent superhero people from being known by everybody else. And oh, just shut up. Ugh. I don't know. It was it was <laughs> detestably yeah. boring. It's not just even a full review. Boys. Yeah, just yeah. watch the boys. Yes, yes. It's okay. the boys only like without anything interesting and the M Shamalama Ding Dong Night dialogue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um yeah, I, I I watched a film called Flight That Disappeared. Not the Flight That Disappeared. Flight That Disappeared from nineteen sixty one. Uh, about uh, atomic uh, scientists on an airliner who, who, whose plane arrives in heaven and they are tried by future generations. Doesn't that sound like it's great? I mean, just, just on, on, on the description <laughs> alone, I was like, fuck, yeah, I need to see this. We need a and, modern reboot of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, 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 yeah, it's just boring. You know, it's like it takes forever for it to happen. They had a Twilight Zone episode and they tried to stretch it out yeah. into a movie. Uh yeah, not good. Um it's, yeah. Yeah. It sounds like Try, a like a bad Twilight Zone. It was a very bad Twilight Zone. Okay. Uh <laughs> it yeah, it's just just not even interesting. It's like all we have is a concept and then, you know, that's it. Okay. Um Yeah. I, I it's it's just been lackluster. I, I've got <laughs> nothing fun to share. <laughs> well well um, then let's get on with it. This week's show is about uh, crap that that is just so incorrect in films. It's like you you can no longer suspend disbelief. It's it's I I have the biggest problem when when somebody does this to me. Where it's like it's just Star Trek, dude. You know, it's just Star Wars, dude. No, at some fundamental point, you're breaking the rules. If if you have to say it's just a movie in order to keep enjoying it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I said many times on the show, I don't, I will, I will grant you, uh, whatever your weird, you know, fictional universe is, but then you have to play by the rules you establish. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. every film 
basically sets up the rules of its universe in the first 10 minutes. You can do whatever the fuck you want in the first 10 minutes of something, but after that, you have to stick to it, right? It can be as like crazy and all over the board or as boring as you want it to be, but after that, no changes. You know, you're locked on course. And there are some movies where they, they set up sort of a, a reality and they completely break. Like James Bond movies, I think, are really famous for this. Yeah. Okay, they're spy mm. thrillers. They're light entertainment. And then there's this one thing. They always put in one thing in there. And I think they're doing it just to fuck with me. Uh, <laughs> that is, like, utterly impossible. Like, in uh, License to Kill, he, he, he gets in a semi-truck and he accelerates so fast that the front end somehow lifts up. As if it were a motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, he pops a wheelie. Yeah, yeah, he pops a wheelie with a semi. And I'm like, no, no, that doesn't happen. No. Well, it's funny you bring up Bond because that was one of the things that I thought of. I'm like, looking back at every Bond movie and when they started to do that, like you can really pinpoint it more or less to you only live twice when you've got the volcano layer stealing rockets out of space and then the mm-hmm. ultimate where they turn bond into a japanese man via plastic surgery so that he can infiltrate the the volcano island i mean it's just the most ridiculous over the top and it infected everything that came after uh and you can't really get away from it so now everything that's bond post you live twice is just so ludicrous and over the top until you get mm-hmm. to something like maybe casino royale where they kind of and, tone it down slightly yeah and you think it's done by casino royale because there's not really yeah. anything silly in that and then you get to uh specter where yeah. he crashes a plane <laughs> and then chases after the bad guys in a broken wingless plane yeah <laughs> so, god bless bond but where it really went when i've thought about it was that in the brosnan years the one that ones that really irritate me are those because that's when they shifted from doing the standalone mini adventure at the very beginning and they somehow had to tie every single one oh, of those right. into the plot of the actual movie and it's like no don't do that that's just yeah. not necessary at all. The whole purpose of those little mini adventures is just to have a little fun before you it's get into all the It's called an amuse bouche. You know, yes. a little sample of what you're about to experience. Yeah. It's, but then yeah, we're not jumping always straight manage, into the meal. Yeah. But they always manage to, oh, well, we got to tie it back to that front there. People are going to be lost, man. I tell you what. It's like, no, stop. So, yeah. Bond movies are very terrible for this sort of thing. I agree with you. Yeah. Though Goldeneye, I think. It was the first one to start doing that, but really it was, it was a fake out because you didn't, I mean, Frank, you know, frankly, you knew that shit had to have, you know, some kind of resolution, but you didn't know that, um, what's his name? Bean? Scene Bean. Scene Bean. Scene Bean. (laughs) You didn't know he was going to turn up again. You thought he was another double O who got killed. Yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. Granted. (sighs) Um, Grant you. I've got to I've got to share though the movie I saw this week that is totally this and I'm still just so fucking at, enervated by this movie. I I I, <laughs> I I almost wanted to do a whole show on this. Ad Astra. Have any of you oh. bothered? Which yeah, I have we, not seen. So Brian. I actually sent you a link Eric. We 
I I brought Ad Astra from the theaters. Um, we so if you go back to the episode from late 2019, which was our 2019 fall movie preview, I brought this mm. for the fresh shit. Uh, yeah. So you can you can hear those thoughts then. But what bring it? What were your thoughts on Ad Astra? Okay, uh, uh, basically it's just uh, apocalypse now in space, right? Mm-hmm. That's. That's all it yes. is, going down the river. But the thing is, they copy a lot of the things from Apocalypse Now very literally. You know, like the, the fucking tiger scene yeah. is a baboon in a space station. A, a, yeah, a, what the a, hell? That came out animal, of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, an animal research lab just sort of hanging out in space, not even in orbit of anything, just sort of, you know, there. And, is this uh, uh, or- like, like where Wahlberg started the Planet of the Apes? No, it, it 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 just comes from fucking nowhere, Chris. Like yeah. this whole movie is like <laughs> slow and quiet, and like we're gonna travel to the outer reaches of the solar system in real time and slow and baboon ka. It's like yeah. it just comes out of fucking nowhere. But but like a few things here. One, you a okay. Like, like ignoring all the story issues, you know, it's it's like a baboon attacking you in zero gravity has nothing to grab onto. It can't stand in front of you and eat you because it's floating and it's like the moment it even tries to hit you, it gets pushed backward because there's no gravity. And uh, <laughs> this thing is like attacking him, attacking him, attacking him. And then he like, I don't know what he does. He you know, stuns him or shoots him or does whatever. And then it goes unconscious and then it floats away. No, you don't not float away just because you're awake. Uh, it's it's like full <laughs> of stuff like that where I'm going. It's not like there's one thing. Every 10 minutes, there's something in here that if you have a basic understanding of science, you go, no, bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. And the thing is, this is if this was like Star Trek or, you know, soft sci-fi. Right. I'd, I'd give it. I'd say, yeah, fine, sure. But this thing tries to set itself up as hard science fiction, which means we're going to obey all the rules. And it, 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 it's like somebody watched Gravity and said, yeah, that's good, but I want some stuff to happen. And every time they put in some stuff, they have to break phys- you know, the, the laws of physics. The, the best, the breakout point in this, this movie of, oh, just go fuck yourself is... In the end, well, one, Tommy Lee Jones goes blasting off away, f- you know, from the ship with his little, um, I don't know, his, his, his jet squirty device. Brad Pitt is tied to him. So they're both along for the ride, you know, zooming away from the spaceship. And Tommy Lee Jones says, you know, let me go, let me go. So he lets him go. If you if if two people are flying through space and one of them cuts the tether between them, they're still both flying through space. It's not like one of them just stops in place and the other keeps going. <laughs> so, whatever. After that, he has to get to his ship which is on the other side of the rings of Neptune, so he breaks a piece of metal off of the one ship and goes jetty squirting towards the asteroids hold using this thing as a shield so that he can mm-hmm. go bump, 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 bump through the ice and rocks to get through them. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah. One, 
that would kill you. Two, you would lose all of your inertia by right. being hit by all these rocks. Three, what has more mass, the rock or? <laughs> yeah. 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 All of the rocks, not just one, all of them that you have to cut through. And, you know, three, how are you sure you're going to get to your ship on the other side? You know, it's like aim. You can't aim. Oh, and then to escape, he sets off a nuclear bomb on the one ship and he says, I'm going to ride the blast to get home to mm-hmm. Earth. <laughs> okay, Space few offense. problems. You're, yeah, a few man. problems here. One, explosions blow shit up. So you're not going to ride a wave. You're going to get blowed the fuck up. Two, how do you steer? Because, you know. You're not in charge of the force that just pushed you forward. Mm-hmm. Three, you're on Neptune. Earth is over there and planets move. So, like, where are you <laughs> going to go to? Where are you steering? I just. <clears throat> He's got, like, the Millennium Falcon's computer to plot the, the trajectory for the. Yeah, no. Yeah, garbage. yeah. Give it that. Yeah, give it that. It's like. Uh, uh, um, that's, that's the thing I love about the expanse is that each and every one of these problems is either addressed or an issue. They, they never walk away from shit like this. They're always saying, okay, here's why that doesn't work. Well, I have to know for a fact that watching the 2009 version of Star Trek, that you can absolutely have an explosion shockwave push you forward. That's at the end of Star Trek. And it's fact. That's just science. Okay, man. So fuck off. That is true. God damn it. I forgot the JJ wow. Abrams verse. Chris just brought us into Star Trek somehow yeah, on the yeah. show. You're welcome. Yeah. Welcome. Dropping yeah. the mad science. Yeah. Well, it's just, you know, it's funny that Eric's bitching about this one thing that actually happens at the penultimate moment in a Star Trek movie. Yeah, but, but that's, that's a different set of rules. That's right? exactly what I, mean, I said at the beginning. If, it's, if I, you establish it as fantasy, <laughs> fine. I mean, okay. here's the thing about the, the rule breaking in Star Trek, and we've talked about this before, but like, I believe it's in Star Trek Into Darkness. They've somehow come up with very early on in the Star Trek timeline from this movie's perspective this notion that you can use the transporters to send people from like earth to the Klingon home world. And at that point, why do you have starships? Yeah. Um, the whole premise of the, of the franchise is invalidated by that. Similarly, you just blew my mind, Discovery, you just blew my mind. I'm never going to watch Star Trek again. Well, yeah, that's the reason you're never going to watch Star Trek anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's the reason I'm never going to watch another J.J. Abrams movie ever again. But, but uh. yeah, that was that was the. I mean, there were a lot of things in the J.J. Star Trek movies that made me go, no, no. But when that happened, I was like, oh, you just broke Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> well, well that's just like George Lucas breaking Star Wars with that whole midichlorian bullshit. I mean, it's literally. Something yeah, that they've yeah. been spending decades now walking back no. because it's just so dumb. No, so <laughs> George Lucas broke Star Wars with the prequels, but not f- just with midi chlorians. That was actually oh, one know. of the examples I was going to bring. Was the thing that kills me about the way that <laughs> Star Wars has evolved is by the time Luke Skywalker is you know whatever twenty, um, the Jedi. And are are so extinct and have been extinct for so long that it's an ancient religion and hokey whatever, according to Han Solo. Yeah. 
except in Luke Skywalker's lifetime, there were a lot of Jedi <laughs> doing a lot of Jedi <laughs> shit, right? And, yeah, and George Lucas did that to himself. Those were all his scripts. He just did not bother to to explain that. I mean, just just said it further in the past or something, you know? <laughs> or yeah. or don't have there be dozens of Jedi running around. <laughs> Adhere to your own rules. Mm. But that's just mm. okay. But I think I do think JJ Abrams is responsible for the the you know the second and further breaking of st- that final Star oh Wars film. It's like one, we need to undo everything that just happened in the last film because boo, I don't like it. And two, uh, <laughs> we got to have it all happen in under two hours. Just. Yeah. Oh wow! Hey, here's the magic disc that will do the thing that will stop all the star destroyers that shouldn't <laughs> exist but will. What? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's Palpatine's back. Really? There's uh, there might be a story there. Nope. No, nah, he's just back, dude. Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> we needed a, a Vader stand-in. You know. Yeah. Because yeah. nobody was buying that Snoke. <laughs> Snoke well, was let me dead. Throw, <laughs> let me throw a, a couple at you, because uh, the way I understood this initially was that it was just something that happens in a movie that pulls you out of it completely. Yep. Uh, So mine were more, uh, I've got one that's on par with what we've been discussing, but I've got a couple of just quick nugs that make me angry every time I see these movies. Uh, I'll start with the big one. The scene in the dark night when they're having Mm. the fundraiser for Harvey Dent and then mm-hmm. the Joker shows up with his minions and fuck with the girlfriend. I can't remember her name right now. Uh, Rachel! Rachel! Yes. Rachel! Uh, and then... Where's Rachel? And they like throw her off the balcony, and so Batman's got to run out and grab her, and then they fall in that car at the end. After this like long, drawn-out Joker making a scene in the whole nine yards, and then it just cuts. It just stops. And the next thing is like the... the the Asian guy in the jail cell, and then here comes Harvey Dent walking in. Like every time I watch that movie, it just stops dead in its tracks right there because I'm like, what the fuck happened yeah. at the end of that party? I'm like, and then I spend the rest of the movie going, I really need to know what happened at the end of that party because they just dropped it. So that's, that's the thing with yeah. Christopher Nolan films is they are they have they are really great at sort of self seriousness. But upon reflection, there's so many problems, but somehow yeah. he's able to just roll over them and you don't care. Oh, yeah, like it's like a truck. Dark Knight up to no scrutiny whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like it, the Joker's uh. plot can't possibly, even if you just want to say he was about chaos, it can't possibly work because it requires him to have thought ahead and had all of these pieces yeah. on the board in a way that was just not at all. Cre- it's just, yeah. Well, Nolan yeah, is really then, good at just sort of dragging you by the nose from from set piece to set piece, yeah, and yeah. sort well, of and making the, it feel connected, and, and, but it doesn't oh, yeah. work. And make and saying right to your face, no, no, you have to trust me. Okay, do you trust me? Good, because here comes the next <laughs> piece of madness. Well, yeah. Well, the thing about Dark Knight, as far as the structure too, that gives is like he literally went through like philosophy one hundred and one, flipped the page until he pointed his finger on it, and said, oh, "Okay, now we're going to do the trolley problem." 
or whatever. And then that's like, that's the next set piece. It's like that literally like three, three things in that movie. And they're all basically just general philosophical uh, conundrums that you got to sort out. It's like, come on, man. So yeah. But that party scene just stops it dead in the tracks for me every time. And then when people go, oh, it's the best Batman movie ever. I'm like, did you watch the same movie? I'm like, the Joker's really good. I give you that. But my God, like none of this makes a lick of sense. And I get yeah. angry and then I have to move on with my day. So uh, uh, apropos of the Dark Knight, when I was trying to come up with examples for this, I did some Googling. And one of the things that someone else pointed out that I thought was uh, a solid observation. The end of the Dark Knight rises. Batman decides that Batman can go on as a symbol so he can retire and go like brunching with Catwoman. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the beginning of the Dark Knight, the whole point of Batman as a symbol doesn't work. That was kind of the whole point at the beginning is like the guys in hockey pads, you know, getting fucked up by the villains. Uh, or the the idea that Batman might come around and save you had been perverted by the Joker. Um, so we get, went from Batman as a symbol is inadequate. The real Batman has to show up to nah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna go brunch with Catwoman. Well, yeah. e- you would be confused too if you were raised by a butler who can't decide whether or not you're doing the right thing. It's like every five minutes. <laughs> I don't think you should be doing this, master. Well, fuck you then. What are you? Yeah. Get out of my face. Jesus. Alfred. Yeah, shut up. Uh, so, yeah. And then to pile on to George Lucas also, uh, I just got to say, from the opening frame of Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls, I am out. Completely gone. <laughs> the no. Refrigerator scene. Oh. That's what yeah, well, this episode well, should be called. Refrigerator scene. Yeah, nuke the fridge. But basically it's, <laughs> yeah, the whole thing starts with the Paramount logo, because every one of those indie movies does the Paramount logo, Mountain, and then it dissolves into some s- simulacrum of that as it pertains to the scene that they're in. And this one literally dissolves into a groundhog hill or prairie right. dog mound or whatever. And it's like this cute little like caddyshack fucking puppet thing i know it's cgi but it's might as well just be a puppet and then it's like kids in the 50s racing a convoy an army convoy in the middle of the desert to rock music from the 50s it's like this what the hell is going on and then they finally start the action and it's just so tepid and so old it's like the view to a kill of Indiana Jones movies because he's just too old to pull any of it off ever. You know, my so understanding still of talking the- about making another one. Yeah, I yeah. know. Octogenary my understanding Jones. of the making of that film was basically George Lucas kept saying, "Hey, we could do a thing like you know, like he'd have these these fucking rotten ideas, and Spielberg would just be like knocking them back." with a tennis racket just no 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 <laughs> and some of them got through the that's yeah. that's basically the way he puts it he he wanted to do a thing with aliens i went okay fine you know <laughs> the refrigerator yeah. thing <clears throat> was something they had oh. planned years earlier and and these let's do the refrigerator oh fine okay we'll do the refrigerator thing you know just <laughs> <laughs> so you're yeah. right we finally figured out what the name of this episode is. this is there is a term for what we're talking about and it's nuking the fridge yeah, nuking is, the fridge. Yeah, we're nuking the uh, fridge here. Which and I and that oh, it's so irritating to watch that actual sequence too because it gets into the leadline fridge, the blast goes off, and then it throws the thing like seven thousand feet, <laughs> and then it tumbles through the desert. I'm like, he just rolls out without a scratch. It's like that would have broken every bone in your body because you're in a metal box. It's like, what is wrong with this movie? Oh, 
I'm so irritated just thinking about it. Oh. I would, God, that would really be an awesome edit of the film where, okay, so he's in the refrigerator, <laughs> boom, fly, roll, 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 roll. But then they stop the film right as it rolls on top of the door to the refrigerator. And the movie ends with him going, guys, 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 And then, he's, hey, yeah, and then he suffocates to death. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> oh. So, yeah. I just, I don't understand why these things happen. It's so ridiculous. Uh, mm. so, I, there's just yeah. laziness. I just, had, yeah. that would be I cool. I had one, this, that, it happened, so it happened, I, I rewatched Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one, uh, last week. Didn't really bring it for the fresh shit, but, um, well, there's a moment you? in that movie that, that nuked the fridge for me both times. It's a, it's a great movie in general, but, it, and it's, it's not that it's breaking its own rules, it's that the, that, What's happening is stupid, and it's it's at the end. We've got we've got is it the, uh, Ronan the is, is no no it's before the dance off. We're we're, okay. we're trying to bring the big ship to bring the Infinity Stone down to the surface of Xandar to kill everybody, and they start. Ronan orders all of his bad guys to just kamikaze the city. Right, and so we've just got like this swarm of kamikaze pilots coming straight down. They're already in the atmosphere. They're just gonna dive bomb the city and blow shit up. And the response of the good guys is to is to turn tail towards the ground and fire upward at these things that are falling at the you know at the speed of just dead weight falling and shoot them and turn them into what. More shrapnel to hit more targets <laughs> at that yeah. velocity. You know it, that's not gonna work. Yeah, and but to be fair, following following Eric's uh, original thesis, uh, if you stick to the rules that you determine from the outset, it's fine. And this one has a talking raccoon, so I am <laughs> yeah, okay with that. Yeah, the talking raccoon's the one who's shooting at the stuff. <laughs> I know. So I'm okay He's with that. It doesn't that. bother me. It's bo- <laughs> it doesn't bother me because it's a talking raccoon. It's, it's almost I'm, like. In a in a Guardians of the Galaxy James you know not just Guardians of the Galaxy but in a James Gunn film, it's like there are so many uh, logic problems that the actual logic problems seem slight by comparison. <laughs> yeah, basically, <laughs> it's like I mean, there's a star base inside of a a a a a, 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 a giant creature's head. skull. Yeah, yeah. It it took me out of the movie because what they're doing throughout this whole sequence is they're sort of doing the kinds of setups that a traditional action movie will do. You know, oh, we've confronted the villain and we pull the trigger on the weapon and then they subvert it and they do something unexpected. And they're, they're doing a bunch of that. And then in this thing, it's just, here's a bad idea. It won't work. Let's do that. And it it isn't <laughs> subverted. It works. Uh, huh? So anyway, it just it, it takes me out of the movie when that happens. Otherwise, good yeah. movie. That's yeah, and that's the worst part too when it's an entertaining feature overall, but there's just that one moment, and then when you yeah. watch it again, you're watching it because of all the other ninety five percent of it. But you get to that one little nugget, and then you spend that little inkling of time going, "God damn it, God damn it, God damn yeah. it!" Yeah, and then you kind yeah. of give yourself back over to it. It's so irritating. <laughs> I think that's the big problem with Nuke the Fridge is it happens at the beginning. And so now you've just blown it for the rest of your you know time in that seat. Yeah. Ugh. I well, felt I mean, I Spielberg was trying to say, I think, with the with the molehill, like, like, seriously, guys, don't make a mountain out of a molehill on this one. We're, 
we're just doing a goofy movie here. Yeah. You know? But while Didn't we're work. doing that goofy movie, yeah, we're going <laughs> to shit all over everybody who loves the character. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, Can you yeah. imagine you go to a play and like in the first scene, the lead actor, while he's giving a monologue, uh, sneezes and as a result shits his pants. And it's like very, very <laughs> obvious that he just shit himself. And he sort of like sort of finishes his lines, you know, exhaust, you know, and just just sort of squirts off to the side. and and and. They, they do the next scene and they sort of play around the fact that the lead guy's not there. And then the lead guy's back because he changed and showered and, you know, like very quickly got back. But the whole time, as you're, you know, sniffing the air and you know he shit his pants, you're, you're not watching a play anymore. You're watching this poor guy who shit his pants. <laughs> it's like, you're wa- if that happens you're at watching- the end, you probably don't even notice because you're caught up in the play. But if it happens at the yeah. beginning, whoo, that guy, yeah, he just shit himself. That's literally every drama performance we ever gave in high school to a T. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh. It is actually the structure of the play that goes wrong, um, which is a Broadway show that where things deliberately go wrong and, and you're watching it from the perspective of watching a, a disaster production, but it's the point. Is that noise is off? No, it's called The Play That Goes Wrong. Oh, okay. It's the title of it. Anyway. Mm. All right, what well, else we got? Uh, I did rewatch. Well, I do want to bring this one up because uh, considering uh, Sean Connery recently passed, RIP, but his final movie, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, uh, yeah. that's, that's just his final it, movie? Yeah, he quit after that. that. Was a while yeah. ago. Yeah. Uh, well, after that, he said, fuck this, I'm done. And actually, yeah. every time they they. He's quoted as saying, you know, people have asked me to be in their film since then, but I've just found retirement to be too much fun. It's like, yeah, good for you. <laughs> yeah. But Leave Extraordinary Gentlemen is one of those where uh, it, it starts off with its own rules and it kind of works. It's kind of like a steampunk version of the Avengers, mm-hmm. wherein they've already dispensed with the origin stories because they're grabbing characters from other uh, Victorian from novels. literature. Yeah. yeah, so like... From 19th uh, century pulp. Yeah, so Captain Nemo, uh, Nina Harker... Um, Alan Quartermain. Yeah, Alan Quartermain, uh, Tom Sawyer, uh, Invisible Man, uh, and then uh, Dorian Gray. And so you I know I still these... haven't seen this, and you're describing it, I'm like, man, I kind of want to go watch that now. I, I, I kind of like just, it. I'll I, yeah, be honest, I kind of like it. It's, it's a light, frothy, effervescent... Bonbon that just sort of has no caloric value at all. You just kind of watch it and then you're done. But it's one of those movies that anytime it's on, my wife will just sit down and watch it because she just loves it. And I can't for life me figure out why. But it, <laughs> but it starts out, it sets its rules. You're, you're on board. It's basically, like I said, a steampunk Avengers. Uh, and then, I don't know, about almost halfway through they get to a point where they have to do the like the big chase to save Venice before it gets destroyed because of these guys are trying to start World War Three, and it's so ridiculous because they set the timers on the explosions to sink Venice, and then it's a race to shoot a rocket from the Nautilus into the building at the center of the chain of dominoes in order to save Venice. So basically this whole sequence, they destroy half of Venice (laughs) 
in order to save Venice. It's just, it doesn't make a goddamn lick of sense to me. And every time I watch it, I'm just like, why? The whole purpose of this scene is just to destroy as much shit as possible to make it a fun action movie. But at the end of the day, they've just destroyed one of the Renaissance treasures of the world. And I get so mad, even though I know it's fake. <laughs> Ah. Oh, and that's also the scene where uh, apparently Captain Nemo has a supercharged automobile in like 1896 that they use to race the blowing up buildings in order to save something. It is a film full of Wild Wild West style technology. Yes. Yes. Uh, But, uh, ugh. So but in yeah, that way, just, it it's it's following its own rules. I guess, but. but I think the difference between League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and Wild Wild West is that there's no giant mechanical spider at the end of <laughs> League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> so, point in its favor, right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I would say just watch it once, Brian, just to do it. Uh, so I mean, can, I watched jujitsu, so obviously yeah. I'm just a whore for anything. So why not? Uh, but yeah. but just so you can I say, think that- we, I still say this is another uh, uh, vote in favor of a future show on all the poor adaptations of Alan Moore. You know, yeah, it's true. Because <laughs> this true. is another Alan Moore uh, 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 graphic novel got turned into a movie. The book is really great. The movie is really not great. Yeah, they really did not adhere to the graphic novels at all. At all. Like the, and the movie that they add Tom Sawyer, I guess, to get the American side of things. Yeah. He's yeah, not he's in, the graphic, in the book. So it's, and it's just like, come on. So, yeah. Yeah. But uh, it gets to that middle scene, and I just, I'm like, I'm out. I'm done. I'm just, no. And then it rolls <laughs> from there. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know. Anybody have any more Nuke really. the Fridge moments? Uh, well, then this one, not really the the movie as a whole, but if you've ever seen Steel Magnolias, it's a lighthearted <laughs> comedy until you get to the scene where, <laughs> where, uh, what's her face? Uh, God damn it. Julia, Ju- yeah. Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts. Uh, Says, I got the, cancer. Yeah. They're in the salon and she starts having like a seizure. And then Sally Field in the middle of the whole thing goes, drink your juice, Shelby. And I bust out <laughs> laughing every time I hear it, and it ruins it because then the whole thing turns into a drama from there. And all I can think about from that point forward is drink your juice, Shelby. <laughs> it takes me right out of it. <laughs> so I'll say that that one doesn't work very well as a dramedy. God damn it. I really, I just got stuck in genre fiction. And now I'm like, you know what? There are so many straight films that, that have yeah. like, you know, leaps of logic. I should have fucking looked harder. Exactly. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Drink your juice, Shelby. Drink your juice, Shelby. I'll so. find that clip. I, I, oh God. Uh, so yeah eric it sounded like you were about to go somewhere else no i i i i i only want to admit to my failure on this the 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 show idea was mine and i did not bother to look at steel magnolia (laughs) that'll learn you yeah job well done okay so it sounds like we've jumped the shark on nuking the fridge oh Uh, good lord (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just end it all wrapping it up yeah. uh hey this is the show check us out subscribe to the podcast on your podcast app of choice 
Uh, share it with your friends on social media. Rate us five stars. So spread the word. And if you want to send us show ideas and tell Eric uh, what you know other steel magnolias like things he missed, uh, hit us up on Twitter. <laughs> We're at MagHuge. That's M A G H U G E. You can find us on Facebook. We're the Magnificently Huge Podcast. We're on Instagram. You can email ideas to magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. And for all of the old episodes of the show and links to the ways to contact us, you can find our website. That's maghuge.com. M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com. We're doing sporadic episodes during the end of 2020 because we will do them when we feel like it, folks. And uh, we'll check you out on the next one. Yeah, and remember... Drink the juice.